What's up, Magic fans? This is Mackenzie Thurkill of the Orlando Magic in Fox Sports, Florida, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from my favorite guys across the pond at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Geraint, Mikey, and Paul. Go Magic! What's good, Magic fans? Welcome to episode 20 of Orlando Magic UK's Penny for Your Thoughts podcast on this Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Paul Bacon. How are you, mate? Evening. Very well, thank you. How's you, G? Yeah, very well. Looking forward to the Bucks winning later. Uh, Mr. Mikey Clark? Evening. As a Raiders fan, I hope you beat the Chiefs, because I hate the Chiefs. So, go Bucks. (laughs) Good man. And we are honoured to be joined uh, today with um, Jonathan Osborne, who is host of the Six Man Show, uh, who records every Monday night with Luke Sylvia. He's very active on social media uh, and in the Orlando Magic community. How are you doing, mate? I I did not deserve that much of a lead up and introduction, (laughs) but I definitely appreciate it. Uh, We talked a little bit before the show, but I'm just super appreciative and and honoured to be joining you guys. I think you guys do a great job. Um, I don't know that I would be as dedicated to be able to root for a team that's halfway around the world. So hats off to, to each of you gentlemen. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. You do Thank know it's for a holiday. <laughs> What's that? That's <laughs> coming out uh, supporting Orlando. It's just an excuse to have a holiday, a vacation. You <laughs> Perfect. So before we get started, um, is everybody supporting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today? Mikey already is. I am, obviously. You boys? But, um, it's, it's, the one, it's the one NFL game a year that I watch. Um, so, yeah, go Bucks. <laughs> I've no dog yeah. in the fight, so, um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather a Florida team win than uh, anywhere else. So, yeah, go Bucks as far as I'm concerned. And, Jonathan, you, you live in the Tampa Bay area. Yes, uh, I, we've lived here. I was, so I was born in New Jersey. Uh, here in the States, obviously. And then we've lived here um, close to 25 years now. So um, by birth, my birthright, I, I am a New York Giants fan. That's the, the closest team that we have in New Jersey. The The Giants, actually, their stadium is in New Jersey. So they're really the New Jersey Giants, if you ask, uh, you know, a, a New Jersey-born man like myself. But um, yeah, if, if it's not the Giants, I know, obviously, most of my friends are, are Bucks fans. And the whole area here is, is really excited for the game tonight. So, um, yeah, I have to say go Bucks. Good man. Good man. Glad to hear it. Um, right. Sorry. Yeah, I'll be staying up for it, mate. Yeah, why not? Um, you have a beer now, G. Are you allowed to drink? Well, well, I'm not supposed to really. I'm going to tell this story. So I FaceTimed G. When did you have your um, vaccine? Was it Friday? Friday. And before, yeah. before he went to have the vaccine, uh, I was FaceTiming him with my wife, Becky. And the question, he said, can I still have a beer? I was like, if, if anyone's going to ask that question, it's Garrett. Can I have, can I have the vaccine? Or can I still drink at the same time? Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm have the vaccine with a beer in your hand. Yeah, no, I had to drive home. So you got to be a bit careful, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> right, on to uh, proceedings. So we do the usual magic roundup. So this week, some notable news. Jordan Bone was cut um, on Tuesday after the game with the Toronto Raptors from his two-way contract. 
and the Magic quickly signed Frank Mason III, who was with the Bucks G League team, the Wisconsin Herd, uh, having play, played 99 career games in the past between the Sacramento Kings and Milwaukee Bucks. We'll get onto that a little bit later on. Uh, Chuma Okiki returned on Monday night in the second encounter with the Toronto Raptors at Amway Centre, uh, who's a welcome return. Okiki, of course, was out since the fifth game of the season with a bruised knee. Uh, something I've just had to add to this following last night's game is Evan Fournier was a late uh, scratch from the lineup yesterday due to back spasms. Of course, he'd been suffering with that early part of January and missed about nine, ten games. Uh, and the last magic news for the week before we get into the games, the All-Star ballot um, return happened on Friday for the first um, set of results. And not one Magic player appeared in the top 10 for backcourt or the frontcourt, which is a bit of a travesty, really, especially considering Nick Vucevic's uh, performances this season. Now, I know Mikey's been digging into this. So you got some stats there, Mike? Yeah, I just want to squash some of these. Uh, uh, what what do I put it? Um, some of these things that people are saying going on about our all-stars. Well, you should only be an all-star if you're on a winning team and all this other rubbish that they come out with. Well, 11 of the 20 players that are in the top 20 of the East, so 10 in the front court, 10 in the back court, 11 of those players are on losing teams as it stands. So you can get rid of that theory. Um, so I had a look at Vooch against Bam Adebayo and Sabonis. Um, Vooch is averaging more points per game, uh, 23, which is a career high. Um, he's shooting 42% from three, which is higher than Sabonis. Um 23.88 as a PA, uh, PER, so a player efficiency rate, and he's 17th in the league. Um, the only other stat that one of the other two guys has got up on him is rebounds per game, which Sabonis is just edging him on at 11.8. So stats, Vooch is right up there. There's no reason why he shouldn't be in the top 10 of the front court players. We know that when it comes to fan votes, a lot of it's all to do with popularity. Um, but the fact he's not even in the top 10 is just ridiculous. And you've got players like Jeremy Grant in there um, who plays for the Pistons. who got the worst record in the league. Gordon Hayward, Julius Randle. Like, they're not better than Pooch. It's just ridiculous. Um, so, And then when you consider he's having career highs in points per game, free throw percentage from the three-point line as well. And coming off the uh, playoff series last year, he had against the Bucks, and he's just sort of carried that on into this season. Uh, yeah, it's just ridiculous. He's not in that in that top ten in the front court players, but the coaches and and all the other uh, members of the staff and that have all get their votes to come yet after the fans are done voting. So he should still get in, but the fact that he's not even in the fan voting is just ridiculous. Right. Yeah. It comes it comes down easily to the fact that the Magic get no national coverage um, in the states. I think they've just had the one game so far on NBA TV no national games and equally you look over here uh sky sports have covered no end of games but we are the one one team that they have not had a single live game of people don't see them people don't see booch so unless you happen to be a fan of the magic or really follow basketball well you don't know what he's doing yeah so for jonathan who doesn't know we got sky sports over in the uk which is a bit like espn um but they showcase a few games a week uh, on demand games and then they show a few live games on a Sunday and not one Magic game is featuring in the first half of the season this year. 
So, and considering we've got one of the best followings in the UK, it's a bit of a head scratcher. But there we go. Yeah, it was us, the Hornets, and who was OKC, the other team? I think. OKC, yeah. We were the only three teams out of the 30. So you had the likes of the Knicks, the, the Pistons, all having national coverage games. Just mind blowing. Anyway, um, right, let's. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I know. Uh, let's recap the week then. So we played four games since our last podcast. Um, Toronto a couple of times and the Chicago Bulls. So I'll hand it over to Paul for a review of the first two games against the... Uh, I'll be, no, I'll be nice. Toronto. <laughs> what, you mean Tampa Bay? <laughs> no, they're not Tampa Bay, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, game one um, of the week... A loss, 102 to 115 to the Raptors. Um, another loss, another night of the Magic fans hated on Kyle Lowry. Uh, Lowry in the first quarter, we'll cover, I'll cover Lowry first. Um, went under a jump shoot in Evan Fournier and got away with it. No foul was called. Uh, in the second quarter, I think it was, uh, Lowry's backside made inadvertent contact with Aaron Gordon's knee, causing him to hyperextend it. Raptors fans say he was boxing out. Magic fans say it was deliberately rammed in um, with force targeting Aaron Gordon's knee. The NBA following day have assessed it as being a flagrant one. Aaron Gordon clearly felt it was deliberate act and another dirty play by Lowry on him. And so flattened him with a shoulder charge. Uh, in all honesty... I think there's perhaps an argument that uh, Aaron Gordon was a little bit lucky not to be assessed a flagrant two and only assessed a flagrant one. But uh, it was another night of Magic fans not being happy with Kyle Lowry's behaviour towards Magic players. Um, and you don't, it doesn't take long to search through the internet to find his behaviour towards many players in many games are of that nature. Uh, I think the phrase that's often used is uh, plausible deniability in uh, how he actually plays. But, uh, yeah, it was it was an ugly shooting start for Orlando in the first game. Um, and that, unfortunately, continued throughout the game. 15-27 at the end of the first we trailed. 44-58 uh, at the end of the first half. We were very poor in the paint, making only 15 of 42 field goals attempted. Uh, put that in perspective, we'd hit 8 of 19 from the three ball. Um, as predicted in the in the preview that we'd, we'd got up, Toronto were fouling a lot, but they were also very active, forcing turnovers and steals. Uh, for Toronto, points from turnovers were absolutely pivotal in them be, building that 16-point lead. Uh, they're a very physical team. The constant fouls, I felt, actually prevented us creating an offensive rhythm, so it was really a good tactic by them. Uh, for Orlando, those free throws that we did get did allow us to hang around because we were scoring from the free throw, from the free throw line. A uh, little over three, a little over a minute remaining in the third quarter. Aaron Gordon rolled his ankle, and that was him gone. Uh, into the fourth, we were 73-84 down, and let's be honest, it was a bit turgid, wasn't it? The rest of the way in, uh, Toronto extended their lead for a comfortable win. Nick Nurse had his defence play Nikola Vucevic brilliantly again uh, on the night. Toronto performed well, 
reflecting their recent improvements. Uh, they out-assisted us, they out-rebounded us, and they outscored us in the paint. Um, Cole Anthony led the Magic with 16 and 6 assists, uh, and Vooch, on a very hard-earned double-double, was 15 points and 14 rebounds. It wasn't a great watch for us. Any of you want to say anything about Kyle Lowry? I'll, I'll hate jump that in guy. here. I can yeah, go for it, Jonathan. Um, two years ago in that, that series against Toronto, DJ Augustine hits the, the big winner in game one, as we all remember that. Um, but then I, I was in the building for game three where the Magic were trailing most of the game. Evan and Terrence get hot in the second half, and then we have a chance with a few seconds to go. Uh, Toronto misses the ball. DJ Augustine is going for the rebound. And once again, Kyle Lowry just kind of beat him to the point there. And, uh, and then that game was over. But apart from that, I think, Paul, you hit it right on the head, the, the plausible, plausible deniability when it comes to Kyle Lowry. Not only does he have history with Aaron Gordon, if you guys remember, he elbowed Michael Carter-Williams in the face in game one of that playoff series. The bloody nose, Michael Carter-Williams tears down the courts after the referees, like, do you see my face? Just absolutely covered in blood. Um, not only that, the, the playoff series between the Raptors and the Celtics last year, uh, Jalen Brown goes up for a rebound, and you just see Kyle Lowry bring his right leg just right through uh, Jalen Brown's legs, and he fell pretty hard on his back. So at this point, I, I understand sticking up for the players that are on your team and your home team, but when it comes to Kyle Lowry, there's, there's just too much history now that, for me, he's lost the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think he, at best, he is um, careless about the safety of his fellow professionals. At worst, he's setting out to try and injure players. That's yeah. fair. At best, that's. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. No professional should be doing that. No. I think Jonathan's covered it up perfectly. I mean,. You also mentioned Nick Nurse. That's another guy. Every time the camera pans in his direction, he's just got this look on his face that he cannot believe that the referees aren't giving the Raptors every single call. So Nick Nurse and, and Kyle Lowry are, are two of my least favorite personalities in the league. So it's just an absolute joy whenever we get to, to play the Raptors. Yeah. yeah. I have to say, for me, they've actually overtaken the Celtics as my least favorite team. And it's actually... Really? Less yeah, yeah. It's and it's and you, as you know with me, it's uh, less of disliking the Celtics as an, as a franchise. It's actually their fan base. I did not like being in the same building as them. Not not a, not a nice fan base to be around. So, who's your least favorite fan? That is uh, team or fans, uh, Jonathan. That's very common amongst Boston fans. I'm sorry. So, who's your least favorite team in the league or fans? My least favorite team, Kyle Lowry is definitely up there. Um, I mean, I know that's not a team specifically, but I just really have a lot of disdain for that particular individual. Outside of that, it's the Heat, just because they're the in-state rival. I've probably been to four or five games at the Amway Center now when the Magic have played the Heat. And without failure, I mean, the home opener this year against the Heat, even with all the restrictions and the COVID protocols, only having about, I think it was, 3,600 fans in attendance, you still heard the let's go heat chance. And I'm at the game as a Magic fan, and to not hear other Magic fans give the effort to try to drown out the noise of the Heat fans just really drives me crazy. 
So the fact that we beat them, that was absolutely incredible. But um, the first game that I ever went to at the Amway Center actually was in 2013 when uh, the Miami Heat were in town and the, the Heat were in the middle of that 27-game winning streak when they had Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh. So I was lucky enough to go to that game. The, the Heat won. I believe they destroyed the Magic. But that was actually their 27th win. The next game that they played in Chicago, they ended up losing, I believe, in overtime. So it was pretty cool to be at that game and say, you know, I was a part of history. It's the second longest winning streak in NBA history. So I was at the game for that. Um, but just the, the Heat fans talking trash and just acting like it was a home game for them, uh, it's probably the Heat for me. Oh, I get that. I get that. So Raptors game two, another loss, uh, one, two, three to 108 in our own building. Um, Tuma made his return, as you say, G. Uh, we started off well. Evan was shooting the lights. I think he hit his first three. Um, Jordan Bones, last game for the Magic, um, was he had a beautiful step back in the second quarter, I think it was. Uh, step back three. Um, we trailed 33-31 at the end of the first. 64-60 at the half. So we were, we were competing with them. Uh, we were shooting the three ball really well. We made 14 of 38 on the night. Uh, and we'd got energy on both ends of the court. Foul trouble was our issue in that game. Um, we were seeing the Raptors shooting free throws very early in the second and third quarters. Uh, in the third quarter, Toronto blew the game apart with a 15-0 run. Um, and Van Vliet was playing at an incredible level. He was, he was fantastic. By the end of the third, we were trailing 96-82. Um, we continued to try and play in the fourth, but the Toronto defence marshalled the game out. Uh, they, You could see the us being undermanned. I actually felt that the players tired and began to struggle in that fourth quarter there. Fred, Fred Van Vliet, career night. Uh, we got no answer to him. 11 made threes, most ever by a Magic opponent. Broke the franchise scoring record for the Raptors and most points scored ever in the NBA by an undrafted player, I think. Uh, Kyle Lowry got a triple-double and Norman Powell, as he returned, gave them a real boost with 23 points. Six Magic players, double figures. Cole Anthony scored 16. Uh, Vooch, even though, again, Toronto had really played him well, he uh, led us with 21 points and 18 rebounds. So, again, another double-double for him. Uh, Terence Ross, really ineffective, unfortunately, on the night. One of eight shooting. Um, he was struggling with the defensive attentions that they gave him. But on the night, it was hard to do anything other than applaud the organisation of Toronto's defence. Nick Nurse just has our number. He has our number on, on our offensive play. Pro uh, probably the telling stat of the night, besides the number of fouls, which gave them 23 points, was the number of turnovers again. 36 points for Toronto off of our 16 turnovers. Um, the Raptors have only made 11 and we only managed to score 16 points off of it. Again, that's been a, a, a stat that's hurt us in many, many recent games. And again, it was another one there. But uh, as far as Toronto Magic goes, an uncontroversial game. Do you know what I didn't like about that game? is the defending on Fred Van Fleet. I really got annoyed. He was on 40, and you think, right, just get in your face. 
give him an elbow, do something, put him off his game. I was listening to Dante and uh, George on the pod squad, and they're speaking to Anthony Johnson, you know, the guy from uh, 2008-2010 team. And he was saying, you would never let that happen. Um, and if it's opposing team scored over 115, you know, teams should hold their heads, you know, it's not, it's not on. It's not good. Um, and he was talking as well on the pod squad, you've got to listen to it, about swapping jerseys and handshakes and stuff. Um, and I'm with him, you know, you play for your team, show a bit of respect after the game or whatever, but don't go and swap jerseys and stuff. I know they didn't do that, but you can't let a guy have 54, 53 points in your building, sorry, without having a bloody nose or something, you know? So um, I'll leave it at that. Any other thoughts on it? He was fantastic. But, but his last four points were layups. Doesn't matter. On steals. So he was got he'd got active hands. He he created those points. Oh, he created God. those points. That's that's our our errors, and he scored them. You can only play what's in front of you, mate. He he was fantastic. Yeah. Anyone that's not an all star that goes off against the magic, what are they? G? They're a nobody, aren't they? To you, scrub. <laughs> 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 no, he played well in fairness but you know that's not what you said in our in our whatsapp group oh from it no, I, no we, we can't repeat what i said in the whatsapp group <laughs> the family show uh, any any thoughts guys jonathan mikey on that fan fleet performance I mean, yeah, man. he was he was incredible. Um, you know, but multiple times it just seemed like he was left wide open. And after the yeah. guy hits like his seventh, eighth three, it's like okay, we're gonna huddle up. Steve Clifford is just gonna tell whoever it is, whether it's Dwayne Bacon or if it's Evan Fournier. I don't care who scores as long as it's not Fred Van Vliet. Okay, at that point, to to Paul's point, to 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 guarantee, you just have to get in the guy's jersey. Don't let him get open. It, it's really as simple as that. I mean, if you've got to foul him, you got to knock him over, do, do something. Because as good as Evan Fournier came out in, in the, you know, the first quarter especially, it felt like at halftime, if it wasn't for Evan, we might have been down you know, 15, 20 points. Mm. But if it wasn't for Fred Van Vliet, the Magic probably have a pretty good chance to win this game. So. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We were, we were yeah. playing really quite well. It was probably one of our best. It was one of our better two performances of the week, this one. But I, I genuinely felt we just tired towards the end. Yeah. Right. So game three of the week was the Chicago Bulls visiting Orlando. Mikey Clark. Yeah, I could hear the Magic fans on Twitter going off on one because the Magic kind of came. <laughs> the tank, the tank fans, crazy. Uh, anyway, so uh, Magic won one twenty three to one nineteen, breaking a four game losing skid. Uh, we had career nights for Vooch and Cole Anthony. Um, Vooch scored 43 on the night. It becomes just the third centre in Magic history to score at least 40 points and 19 rebounds in, in a game, uh, joining Dwight Howard and Shaquille O'Neal. Um, Coles poured in 16 points to go along with his nine assists, which was a career high, four rebounds and two steals. Um, he's just beginning... He, we, we kept saying it the last few weeks, he's looking more and more comfortable every, every single game. He steps out on the floor at the moment. Um and uh, yeah, he, he's he's starting to find where his shots are coming from. He's developing a nice look, uh, chemistry now with Vooch, with the pick and rolls. And I think seven of the nine assists were with Vooch buckets on uh, against the Bulls. 
Um, but Orlando got off to a really nice start. Vooch scored 13 of the team's 15 points to start the game. Um, and then the Bulls brought it back a little bit. Their pace seemed to cause us a bit of trouble uh, in transition. And we, we, we've been playing at a lot slower pace since Fultz has been out of the team. And it seems like whenever teams want to play that little bit faster, um, we're always scrambling and, and struggling to... We're struggling to defend the paint is one thing, um, but rotations and all that sort of stuff on, on the defensive end, um, we never really quite got to grips with, especially last night's game, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, the ball's come back. We had a two-point lead after the first quarter. Um, we played a lot through Vooch, which is which when he's putting up the points that he is at the moment, it's a sensible thing to do. Um, the Magic built uh, a double-digit lead in the second quarter, which they held through the third. And then really it was all about the fourth quarter. Zach Levine woke up, scored 24 points um, and tied the game, I think, with, with about four or five minutes to go. Um, and I actually thought in this game, the Bulls blew a chance to actually take the lead and, and actually take this game because I think Levine had a couple of layups that he blew, wide open shots. Um, and I think, um, oh, what's the point, guard? that plays for the Bulls. Kobe White. Kobe White. He, he had a few gimmies as well that he left that he left there. Um, but really, it was right down the stretch. It was a close game, but a pair of free throws from Cole Anthony and Vooch sort of gave the Magic a two-possession lead with a few seconds to go, and that, that really iced the game then, really. Um, yeah, it was, it was a nice performance. Um, there was a lot to like. Like I said, Vooch, Vooch for the career night, sort of helping his uh, all-star campaign um, and, and Cole, like I said, he's, he's looking more and more comfortable out on the floor. So, yeah, good performance against the Bulls. Cool. Any more thoughts on the Vucevic career night, guys? Yeah, the, the last few minutes there, I, I was pretty nervous that he wasn't going to get there. You know, they I think he mm. had about 35 or 36 points going into the fourth quarter. And um, down the stretch, it, was, it, it really seems – I hate to – I know so many people, especially on Magic Twitter – like to jump and, and kind of gang up on Evan Fournier by the way that he plays sometimes. Without Fultz, without Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier being a big part of the offense is going to be necessary if we want to try to win games. But especially in the, the fourth quarters, he has a, kind of a, a habit that he gets into of just trying to play this two-man game, two game with him and Vooch. Mm -hmm. um, but for whatever reason, a lot of the times we start to go away from Vooch and he was playing so well the other night. Um, you, you really just want to keep feeding the beast at that point. And when it was getting close, I was like, man, even if we lose this game, I still want Vooch to get his career high. So the last few minutes when you saw, you know, Evan shooting free throws or, or Cole Anthony shooting free throws down the stretch, it was, it was getting pretty hairy of whether or not Vooch was going to be able to get to that career high. So I was, I was, uh, thankful that we were able to sneak him the ball there. Cole was on the sideline, the out-of-bounds play there, get him to the line, ice the game. It's just a, another reason that he should be an all-star. 43 points, 19 rebounds in a, in a win. What, what more do you have to say? It was a performance. Yeah. He played really well. I think it. Shaq said the, the big man is back, didn't he, based on uh, that yes. performance by Vucevic. So, uh, no, fair play to him. Um, so moving on to the next game. So we once again played the Chicago Bulls. So this was last night. Uh, as mentioned previously, Evan Fournier was a late scratch due to back spasms with Dwayne Bacon starting. 
So back and forth first quarter, which ended up tied at 31. Um, but over the second and third quarters, we were outscored 64 to 33. Um, basically, the offense coming unstuck is it's a topic we mention literally every week, isn't it? There's normally a six, seven, eight minute span in a, in a period, quarter, sorry, um, that we just can't make a basket. And, uh, you know, teams jump on that, score 15, 20 points. And, and most times that's the game, isn't it? Um, the only time I suppose we got lucky is that Minnesota game. Um, so we shot 38% to the Chicago Bulls, 51%. Uh, Chicago made 15 threes to our six um, and scored 50 points in the paint to our 40. So they were quite key figures. Um, we did register six players in double figures, led by Nick Vucevic with 17, Dwayne Bacon, 16, Mobamba, 14, who we'll come on to in a second. Terence Ross, 13, Cole Anthony, 11, and Frank Mason, the third, with 10, who I think looked very comfortable um, in that backup point guard role. Um, Chicago was led by Zach Levine with 39. Um, but really, the story of the night was Mo Bamba. You know, we're entering the fourth quarter, we're down 30-odd points. I think we were all thinking it, screaming at the television, just put Mo in, see what he can do. And in fairness, 14 points on seven of eight shooting, seven rebounds, three blocks and one assist. Not bad going. What do you think? Well, Paul, because you, you're uh, a bit sceptical on Bamba, aren't you? I'm not Mo's biggest fan. I, I don't pretend I am. Um, I... I got to watch him in his rookie season a few games early on. Um, he didn't seem to be playing. He, he seemed to overthink things. He wasn't playing in a natural way. Um, now, that's possibly as he comes into the league. But he, he, you could see when he actually got the ball and didn't overthink things, he was effective. Last night, I... I'm going to fall on my sword and say he played well and he deserved his minutes. He played really well. He did do a, a cracking job. The problem he has is that he is playing behind two players who are probably having their career years at the moment. Uh, Vooch is, we've all agreed, playing at an all-star level. You can't put him in ahead of him. Um, if we want to win games, you're not going to be taking Vooch out to give Mo minutes. The same argument is probably the case with Ken Birch. Ken Birch is scoring more than he ever has done in the past. He is in the top 10 in statistics for offensive rebounds in the NBA. He is, that's getting us extra chances. It's getting us extra points on a regular basis. Besides that, he also sets incredibly good screens. He is a, a superb player in that part of the game. And he's bringing energy on both ends of the court. At which point, if we want to win a game, which I think you look and you've got to say, the team have not given up on the season. There might be plenty of fans want the tank. The team have not given up on the season at this point. So if we want to win games, who is going to definitely give you the better minutes? And the coach is clearly feeling that's Kem. Um, now, on a, on, on a stat that I'm not a fan of the per 36 minutes. You have you. I don't know if you've seen this. It's on. Uh, it's been tweeted out today. 
you have to argue that, that um, Mo in that in those in that stat category deserves more playing time because on the per 36 minutes stat, he is averaging 29.9 points, 17.1 rebounds, 3.7 blocks um, on 62.9 field goal percentage shooting and 30% from the three. The only MVP. That, yeah, mate. <laughs> the only stat that Voot outscores him on in that is the three-point percentage. The rest of them, Mo outscores. Mo is and is massively above Ken Birch on those. But the 36 the 36 minute stat is very much a an estimate. It isn't an accurate statistic mm -hmm. at all. So I'm not a fan of it. But if if you are somebody who goes with that statistic, then the argument is there that he deserves an awful lot more playing time. Um, I will say that if we are intent on keeping him, then we have to give him playing time and you have to find some way of giving him playing time. If that means moving Kem to the four more often whilst Aaron's out, then there's an argument for that. But as you know, I'm not, he's, I'm not, I'm not convinced by him. I'm not going to say I don't like the guy because I think he can, he can play well, but he doesn't do it often enough for me. Um, I, I would definitely agree with a lot of what Paul is saying. You know, the Clifford came out and said it, you know, the fans, especially Magic Twitter, have just been adamant. And I feel so bad for Philip Rossman Reich with OrlandoMagicDaily.com and Joshua Robbins, you know, with The Athletic. Their, their Twitter mentions are just being ransacked every single game. Ask Cliff why Mo isn't playing. Ask Cliff why Mo isn't playing. And to, to some extent, I think that, that, you know, it's a fair question. Cliff came right out. He, he didn't try to make any excuses. He said exactly what Paul just mentioned, the fact that, Nikola Vucevic and Ken Birch are both having career years and Mo is just stuck behind them right now. Now, I think our, our feelings on the per 36 are, are just slightly different. I definitely don't think it's the end all be all. I don't think you can look at that stat and, and really project that if you give this guy 36 minutes, that's what he's going to do. Because again, if Mo is capable of putting up those minutes per 36 in, in reality, he would be the MVP of the league and the magic would talk, be talking about being, finals contenders but we all know that's not the case but I do think that it is useful especially when you're looking at the state of the, the magic currently all the injuries we've had all the games that we've been losing and I think it's worth giving Mo another look at in regards of giving him some more minutes um, something that I hear constantly on Twitter on you know the, the Facebook groups for the Orlando Magic is that Mo doesn't care that he's lazy that he doesn't have a motor etc etc Going back to his rookie year and even his, his playing time at Texas, I think that was fair, that he had a low motor. He wasn't playing with a lot of energy. He looked lost a lot of the time, especially his rookie season with the Orlando Magic. So what I wanted to do, I was like, maybe my opinion on, on Mo is, is skewed because I, I really like him personally. I, I root for him. I want him to do well. So this past week, I went back and watched every minute that Mo Bamba has played this season, specifically uh, the game that he had against um, – uh, who, Houston. Who I think it was Milwaukee. It was the la Houston, and I think the second game may have been Milwaukee. It was right before we went on that that road trip to the Northeast against the Celtics, the Nets, uh, when he got placed into the health and safety protocols. Those two games he played extremely well, um, and he was just doing things that, quite frankly, Kem Birch is not capable of. 
there was one play that I can remember. Um, one of the opposing team, I, I don't remember who it was, went in for a layup. Mo just blocked the ball right to Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon took off down the court for a fast break dunk. Uh, there was another play where Mo had, you know, the ball on the left wing. Uh, it, it looked like it was supposed to be like one of the uh, like fake dribble handoff plays. And then he just throws this brilliant bounce pass. Uh, I b- believe it might have been to Terrence Ross or Dwayne Bacon, but for an easy layup. So just certain things like that that show you the potential player that Mo could have. And then I think after that, he came down and knocked down like two straight threes. Just he's capable of doing things that I don't believe Kem is capable of. The thing that makes Kem so valuable, like Paul mentioned, is that he is an energy guy. He sets great screen. He's going 150% all of the time. He, he plays with a lot of energy. And the reason that those guys are so valuable is because they're rare. So when we talk about guys on our team like Kem Birch, like James Ennis, like Mark, Michael Carter-Williams, guys who not perhaps with their skill, but just the intensity that they play with, they bring that added value to your team. So if we look at guys that are getting a lot of playing time right now, like Vooch, who's having an incredible season, or even like a Gary Clark, I don't think either of those individuals, we would label them as energy guys. In their own right, they're, they're, they're good players, but they don't play with a lot of energy. I don't think it's fair to say that they play with any more energy than Mo does. Um, and last night, I mean he's in the game for 30 seconds already had two baskets and a rebound. So um, me, I felt very vindicated last night by Mo's playing. I'm not saying he's an all-star or anything like that. My thing is just give the kid a chance because right now we're not. And if we turn around and, and trade Mo or release him after next year, I think that would be a monumental failure on the part of the front office that they took this kid with the sixth pick and never really saw what they could get out of him. And I, I, I will not disagree with you there at all, Jonathan, because quite honestly, that's why I, that why I started off by saying I will fall on my sword because he brought a huge amount of energy last night and showed what we want him to be, the player he can be. And like you say, and one thing I did forget to say, which you did raise, was he does have a three-point threat, which we don't get with Cam. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy to say that on the boat, and certainly those two games that you've also mentioned, they they gave you a real glimpse of what Mo can do, and I can understand why people are calling for him to get more minutes. And I, I fully agree. If we're going to keep him, we're going to give him a go. We've got to give him that opportunity. He may be one of these people who thrives on having playing time, give him a game into a rhythm. So yeah, it's it's important. I think I said this. Well, I just don't think at this point we have much to lose by playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah quite agree. I think I said this the other night. There was. There was, um, it was either the first game against the Bulls or one of the Raptors games. And Mo played like two minutes at the end of the fourth quarter in garbage time. And his body language coming off the court was just like, what am I supposed to do with two minutes of playing time? And it's not, it's not helping him. Um, last night was almost like a frustration game for him. Like, I'm going to come out and prove that I deserve minutes and I deserve to be playing. Um, because for a team that's struggling defensively compared to where we've been the last couple of years, especially with Isaac out, Bamba's length and his shot blocking ability and being able to defend the paint a little bit more is something we desperately lack at the moment. Um, I know there's been calls from a few people about Gary Clark dropping minutes at the four, but he's, although he's not putting up points and he's not putting up a lot of stats, um, he's a more natural fit at that position. So if you're going to move Ken Birch over to the four, it's a bit of a muddle in the front court then. Um, but like you guys have already said, 
he's he's it's it's difficult for him because he's got two players playing really well above him. Um, but he he offers something different. And I just think his shot blocking ability. He had a block last night where I don't oh. even think he got off the floor, but one of the players pulled up and it, about it was about mid range went up for a shot and Mo just just smothered him hand up and I think that's when he got, got the block pulled the loose ball down threw a pass up for a fast break and we got a bucket up the other end because of it it's just those little plays where Mo can make up make up so much room on the floor um, gives other teams something else to think about which I don't think they have at the moment with Vooch and Kem because they don't have that that shot blocking ability in there but like you said we all just want to see him have his chance um, and hopefully after last night's performance Cliff's going to give him that in the next couple of games. What he did last yeah. night, from, what he did last night from the bench is what you want to see somebody who's been sitting, warming a seat actually do. Come out and say, listen, take a look at me because you're not playing me fair. He did what he needed to do. Fair play. I would yeah. definitely agree with that. That's what he needs to do. Come out, play aggressive, play angry and prove to Cliff, you need to play me. Yeah, fair play to him. Right then, we'll move along. So the next section is our guest section. So as we mentioned, Jonathan Osborne from the Tampa Bay area, uh, the host of the six-man show with Luke Sylvia, uh, very active on social media, Twitter pages. He's got his own website. And he's recently had some ink done. Tell us about that, Jonathan. Yeah, so, um, yeah, yesterday, actually, um, I went there, two uh, tattoos that I've, I've really been wanting for quite a while now. Um, one is Spider-Man. That is my favorite superhero comic book character. Um, I just really relate to, to that character. Just a normal guy got bit by a spider, and now he's a superhero. I think that would be awesome. Um, but uh, some people, you know, think it's a little bit much, but um, – the Orlando Magic are my favorite sports team in the world. Um, when I'm not spending time with my family or, or friends, um, I'm probably doing something that has to do with the Orlando Magic, whether that's playing my my player in, in 2K uh, or or watching the Magic games or uh, planning for the podcast or you know doing you know whatever graphic design I have to do. So I, I guess I'll, I'll show it off a little bit here. So the I went with the the retro Orlando Magic logo. I just think that's the the best logo uh, looking back to that era of Penny and Shaq and the pinstripes and everything like that. Um, I'm a magic fan because my, my oldest brother was a huge Shaq fan. So when I started to get into basketball as a kid, uh, even being from New Jersey where I might've rooted for the Nets or the Knicks, um, I was here in the Tampa Bay area. The magic were the closest team to us, but um, it was also kind of something that I inherited uh, as a, you know, being a magic fan. So yeah, that's pretty much it. That's cool. So how, how old when you when you first started, when you picked the Magic as your team? Um, I was probably like 9 or, or, or 10, 11, somewhere around there. That's when I really started to play basketball. Um, as, a, as a younger kid, um, my, my, my dad was really into baseball, so I, I just picked up a baseball. And, um, but then as I you know, got through middle school, all my friends were playing basketball. And then my, my favorite player was Tracy McGrady. I just really enjoyed the way that he played basketball, the, the amount of skill that he played with, the passion that he played with, um, you know, the, the size that he had as a shooting guard, just being able to raise up and shoot over anyone, um, not unlike, you know, Kevin Durant is able to today. 
And then um, really not that long after I became a Magic fan, I think I was able to watch about half a season. And then Tracy McGrady was traded to the Houston Rockets. So, um, yeah, that, that wasn't a great start to my Orlando Magic fandom. But, yeah, I've been rocking with the team ever since. And um, now with this tattoo, I, I don't have a, a choice going forward. No, good man, good man. So the six-man show, um, when did you start that and how did that all come about? So I started the six-man show. It was February of 2019. Um, it was not long after, um, I believe, uh, Vucevic was, was named an all-star that season. And I remember, obviously, it was it was Cliff's first season, and the, the Hornets had beat us like 13 out of the last 14 times that we had played them. My wife and I um, were celebrating Valentine's Day here, and we went to dinner. Um, the, the restaurant that we were in didn't have any TVs, so I pulled up the Fox Sports Go app on my phone. Thankfully, my wife is a huge Magic fan as well. She wasn't offended by me watching the game at dinner. And we just, we just blew the pants off of the, the Charlotte Hornets. I think at some point in that game, we were up by 40. Um, I have affectionately referred to that game as the Valentine's Day Massacre since then. Um, <laughs> And then it was about, I think it was about a week later, we were driving home from having dinner with family. And I was listening actually to Locked On Magic uh, with Philip Rossman Reich. And that had ended. Um, and there weren't really any um, new episodes that from some of the other podcasts that covered the magic at the time. So I was like, man, I, I wish I, I could listen to a, another magic podcast right now. And my wife just turned to me and said, well, why don't you start your own? And I started to think about it. And I said, why not? I don't have anything to lose. So, yeah, we started the, the podcast February of 2019. My co-host, Will Robles, at the time. Um, and that was, as you all know, that was a really, really fun season to cover. The Magic go 22-9 and nine over their last 31 games, make the playoffs for the first time in seven, eight years at that point. Ah, uh, Man, I just I, – I will always have such a, a soft spot in my heart for that team. A lot of people love the 9 you know, the team that made it to the finals or uh, the heart and hustle team of the 2000s or, you know, the 93-94 the season or the 94-95 season, excuse me, when the, the Magic made the finals. Um, those are definitely some of my all-time favorite Magic teams, but the 18-19 uh, season will always have a, a special place in my heart. Um, my, my daughter was born in 2018. My, my oldest daughter started the podcast and then just seven years of absolute torture as a magic fan for it to be paid off with that, that group finally making the playoffs and then game one winner with DJ Augustine, just a, a year full of great memories, really. That's cool. Uh, we were able to attend game three and four. It's a shame uh, we didn't get a chance to meet up with you, but maybe we can do that next time we're over. Um, I, would so, I would love that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so you've attended a game this season with the COVID protocols. So tell us how that differs from, you know, just your regular season game that you'd normally catch. Yeah, definitely. So it, it was quite the experience, um, not to plug my YouTube channel here, uh, but if you look up the six man show on YouTube, um, I, I filmed that whole experience, put, you know, I, I wanted to give people, um, you know, a good idea of what to expect uh, when they're attending the Amway this season, because, 
you know, a lot of people, um, you know, everyone's making decisions for themselves as it pertains to COVID, whether they're going to go places or not. But if people did want to go to the games, uh, I, I want them to see what my experience was like so that they can make that decision for themselves. So obviously there were a lot less people there, um, but I do think the Amway is doing a really good job of taking all as many precautions as they can to try to make people as safe as they possibly can while they're there. And my understanding is, uh, from folks that have watched the YouTube video and have attended games since then, that the, uh, the, the experience has only improved. The Amway is doing an even better job as time goes on um, to, again, just make everyone as safe as they possibly can. So I had a great time. Um, I don't know that I'll be able to go back this season. Um, I would love to, but I, just uh, trying to save for a house and everything, as, as many people can understand that. So love to make it to another game. I personally would go but I can also definitely understand people that just are, are, are taking it you know things very seriously and being careful and not attending games this season yeah so on average a normal season now you know 41 games at home how many do you get to attend you know living in Tampa so I'm I'm about um I would say probably two and a half hours on the average weekday with rush hour traffic everyone you know leaving work and everything like that um so Average season, we probably make to about five or six games. Uh, we've, we've tried to be season ticket holders a few years ago. I think we made it to about 12 or 13 out of the 41 home games. And just we, we were at every Saturday and Sunday game that there was. And then I, I think we were at about seven or eight games that were during the week. So leaving here at about 3 o'clock our time uh, to make it to the Amway on time, you know, the games usually end around 9 o'clock. And then to, to get home usually about 12, 1 a.m. and then to try to wake up early again the next day. That was really, really rough that, that season. So until we move closer to Orlando, we probably won't be season ticket holders again. But usually about five or six. And then, you know, if, if the Magic make the playoffs, I'll at least be at one game per round. Because I would hate to miss a finals game in, at the Amway. So don't know how long cool. we'll have to wait for that. But uh, when the day comes, I'll be there. And I, I'm sure you all will be as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mikey, yeah. So, you, so you talked about starting the podcast in 2018-19. What was your favorite favorite magic memory? Was it that? Se- was there anything in that season, or is there anything else that stands out for you? My fa- my all time favorite Orlando Magic moment um, would would honestly probably have to be in that season. I mean, when I was. 14 when they when they made the finals the first time the magic had just been steadily getting better like I said I, I became a magic fan uh, when Tracy McGrady was traded the next season we draft Dwight Howard Jameer Nelson uh, acquire Hito Turkoglu so it was every year the magic were improving right so every season I had something to look forward to then we make the finals the next year uh, we make it to to the Eastern Conference Finals and I, I was spoiled up to that point it was I was almost expecting the magic to have success after Dwight Howard is traded, Rob Hennigan is brought on board, uh, trades for, you know, Nikola Vucevic. We draft Victor Oladipo the next season. And that year, uh, those years of, of struggle, those seven years not making the playoffs and winning, you know, 20 some odd games each year, that losing really got to me. It wasn't something that I was accustomed to as a, as a sports fan. Growing up being a New York Giants fan, I've been lucky enough to, lucky enough to see two Super Bowl wins being a University of North Carolina fan where Cole Anthony played. Um, I've been able to see two national championships. 
but the magic, you know, making the, the finals in 2009, I was not prepared for the years to come. So, uh, and then just being so emotionally invested in guys like Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, you kind of, you know, you ride the roller coaster with the team if you really care about the team and you follow them on a daily basis. When they win, you're happy for them. When they lose, you, you feel that loss with them. So when we clinched that game in Boston, Boston. to see yeah. Steve Clifford after the game described it as unbridled, and I'm getting, I'm really getting goosebumps talking about this, fellas. To hear him describe it as unbridled joy, especially for those three guys. I was just so happy for them. Like part of me made the playoffs, if that makes sense. So going through that season, that was probably that game. And then I, I think uh, the next home game that we had, uh, the last home game of that season was against the Atlanta Hawks. And seeing us just blow out the Hawks, the, the fan base, everyone in the arena knew we were headed to the playoffs. And then being you, – you all were there for game three. So – the electricity that you could feel in that building. Like when they say that you could cut something with a knife, that's how it felt. Yeah. I remember um, we will rock you playing in the arena before the game. And yeah. I was like, this is another level to something that I've never experienced before being in the arena for, for an NBA playoff game. It was just, again, that season will always be very special to me. We can all act. Atmosphere. It really was so loud, so loud. We can all echo that Boston game though, because yeah. So so for us over here, we we had we set up a WhatsApp group for all the UK fans that wanted to try and come on the trip with us if we made the playoffs. Wow. And G was talking to me. I want to say it was January, and you were like, "If we make the playoffs, are you going to go?" <laughs> we're like, "G, come on, we got a lot of making up to do here." Yeah, and uh, we were what twenty-one and thirty-one at that point, something yeah. like that. And every week we were going online, checking flight prices, checking hotel prices. And then they get a little bit, little bit closer. The run kept going. And then that Boston game, I think we were all I, – I can't even describe the feeling. It was crazy. I, I'm right there with you. And, uh, yeah, and, and we, all, we all jumped on, got the cheapest flights, cheapest hotels. And then just being in the, in the city for that game, being at the hotel, and it was just – Everybody there, I mean, there were a few Raptors fans there, but just seeing the city just come alive for the Magic. I, I've been to 30, 40 Magic games. Obviously, the playoffs are a bit different, but just to see the city come around that team in that moment, especially after the game one winner. I, I, you all, I'm sure, have seen the video of the Wall Street Plaza uh, when DJ Augustine hit that shot and just the whole city erupt. And to really embrace that team was just Again, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps. I, it's something that I can't describe. One of the things I noticed when we landed, because I, I arrived a couple of days before Mike Ingram, uh, we, I arrived for on the day of game two. And you're driving in from the airport and everywhere, over overpasses, uh, bridges, everywhere, there were go magic signs, pure magic and all these sort of things. Yeah. Um, you went down to every window was painted with the logo, with... Pure Magic, Go Magic. Um, what was the one for the for the playoff? The blue and white ignite. Blue and white ignite. Blue and white ignite. That's the one. That was all over the place. Flags hanging everywhere. We went to. We were staying. We were staying at a friend's house, and the the communities. So many of them had the magic playoff signs. In fact, I've still got one of them on, at, at my feet here. 
the uh, Go Magic Blue and White Ignite playoff um, placards. So many yards had got those. It was incredible to see how the team had got the support of the community. It was fantastic. Incredible. We- and that, that, sec- that day after the Boston game, just the scramble for us all getting flights, booking online, and then yeah. and then the tickets going on sale as well. I think at the same point, in ridiculous effort trying to get tickets for us. But we got there. We got there. I started uh, at the airport. I G. applaud you all for, for being there. We um we got we got recommend uh, or commended at Gatwick Airport, which is where we stayed the night before. So for me and Garrett, it's about what a three, four hour trip to Gatwick Airport to then yeah. get a 10 hour flight to Orlando. And we're in, we go into the, the sports lounge, don't we, at Gatwick Airport at the hotel, and we're opening the door and we've got our magic stuff on. Somebody opens the door, and goes, Go magic. <laughs> what? <laughs> this yeah. doesn't happen in the UK. People don't even know what we're yeah. wearing half the time. Right. So even we right. knew, we knew it was going to be big when we left, when we left the UK. And then, like, like Paul's already said, when we got over there, it was, there was just magic stuff everywhere. It's great. It was good times. Good times. Uh, what's your What's I your favorite? Appreciate. Oh no! I just had a, a quick funny story. I can appreciate the sentiment. Um, in 2017, uh, uh, December, my wife and I were in New York City for our honeymoon, and I, I'm sitting in a in a in a bar wearing my Orlando Magic uh, a pullover, not uh, unlike yours there, Mikey. And um, this 10, 11 year old kid walks past the window. I'm facing the door, and he's I see him wearing a Magic jersey. And he, he kind of looks at me and like kind of double takes, walks away. About a minute later, he and his whole family come back just to, to see if he really saw a Magic fan. And I wave at him and his whole family's like, hey, hey. So it was just so cool when you don't expect it to run into other Magic fans. Even here in Tampa, I never run into Magic fans. So it's always great when, when you're able to, to, to share that moment with another Magic fan. So what's your favorite player of all time, Jonathan? favorite magic player my favorite player of all time is right here tracy mcgrady he he, again it was the really the the first magic player that i uh, you know became attached to although it wasn't for very long because again he was shortly traded to houston um but again just the 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 style of of play that he has the the skill level that he had so dynamic and so athletic um but also just extremely graceful could get to wherever he wanted to get on the court I remember in those days, you know, in middle school, it was a it was a legitimate argument at the time. Who's better, Kobe Bryant or Tracy McGrady? And people just always argue back and forth. But um, yeah, T Mac is my has always been my guy. Will always be my guy. Um, you want to talk about if if I could bring somebody in a time machine for this team right now, it would be Tracy McGrady. Absolutely. Yeah, Paul. Okay, um, I think you've probably already touched on part of it, Jonathan. My question: I wanted to know what your favourite moment is that you've actually been present for. My favourite moment that I've ever been present for. So, I mean, I, I'll just default to the playoffs, just because if if I could relive any night being a Magic fan, it would be that. Um, other than that, the the best moment that I've been in the building for was probably. Hmm. I don't remember what exact season it was. It might have been the 2014-2015 season. So that was the season, if you all remember. I think the Magic played Oklahoma City on a Friday night, and that was Kevin Durant misses the elbow jumper. Oladipo grabs the rebound, runs the length of the floor, passes it to Mo Harkless, who has a wide-open layup, by the way. Easily could have scored the game winner. But Tobias Harris is cutting down the middle of the paint. He passes it to, to Tobias, and Tobias dunks it at the buzzer to win the game. 
That was on a Friday night. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder were the number one team in the West at that point. Then that Sunday, they played the Indiana Pacers, who were the best team in the, the East, and I believe the number one team in the NBA. Um, and we actually ended up beating the, the Indiana Pacers uh, as well. So that was the days of uh, Oladipo, Tobias Harris. Even Glenn Davis was still on the team at that time. Um, so, yeah, being in a, attendance for that, that was one of the most exciting wins that, that I've, I've been there for. Funny thing about that game is two minutes to go, it's a very close game. I'm on my feet cheering, and there's a gentleman behind me who's yelling at me to sit down because he can't see the game. Like, this is a close Get game. Up. We're playing the yeah. best team in the NBA. Stand up. You know what I mean? So, so that's probably, apart from uh, game three of 2019, that was probably my, uh, my favorite moment. I had a similar sort of thing. Um, you know, the Cavaliers game 2018-19 season where uh, Evan won the game with a two-point finish. Uh, Over Jetty Osmond, yeah. yes. Yeah. I had been fortunate enough to be moved courtside in that game. And as you can imagine, there you are. You stood up cheering, going mental. First time, and uh, you know, I didn't know if I was ever going to be courtside again. So I was having the full experience and I got moaned at I got a member of the press who was sat behind me asking me to sit down my reply was not entirely polite I won't argue, I won't lie uh, but to the effect of you get to sit here every game I'm here for one you right. can look around me <laughs> you know <laughs> get into the game I understand you're there for the press but man Right. Don't expect fans to sit down for you. That that would be one of the the few issues that I have being at the Amway is that um, I I love our fans. I love that they're there, but I wish they would just give the team just a bit more energy. If you're there, you might as well cheer and have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, have you done any of the uh, game day experiences? Have you ever done any of those? I have not. Uh, I I really have not um, had the opportunity to do any of those. Again, usually we're going over and making it a one day trip, you know, there and back. So a lot of the times I'm we're in traffic on I-4 just trying to make it to our seats, you know, before tip off. So I would love to, but unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity to yet. And where would you recommend UK fans to sit if they if they have their choice? Where's your where's your go to area? Mean, if they have their choice, I would I would probably recommend courtside, like like you got to experience. Um, but in my opinion, really, I, I get asked this quite a lot. Um, not only from you know people that are going to watch their favorite team at the Amway, but people that might be going to a concert or another event at the Amway. You know, where is the best place to sit? In my opinion, there's not a bad seat in the Amway. There's nowhere where you have really like an obstructed view or anything like that. I would say sit where, where you're comfortable and, and sit where you can afford and you're going to have a great time regardless. Um, I would say that my experience, the, the best um, experience that I've had is really sitting more towards like on the, on the sidelines more than, you know, the corners or, or behind the basket, just because it, it more mirrors the experience that you have on TV that you're used to seeing the, the teams go back and forth. So obviously the closer, the better, um, the one season that I, I was a, a season ticket holder, the game that my wife and I went to because you have to sign for your tickets and everything like that. Um, it was 2015-16, uh, uh, I believe it was, when the Warriors went 73-9. and nine. Uh, We actually went to the game that they played the Warriors there. So um, they took us down onto the floor level. We got to walk near the floor. I got to see 
um, Aaron Gordon posting up Draymond Green, and I've just never seen two humans look that large before. Um, so that was awesome. But yeah, anywhere that you sit, you're, you're going to have a great time. Yeah. Um, at this point, I'm very jealous that you've actually got to see Steph Curry play. I assume he played in that game. Yeah, he he wasn't he wasn't doing all that well, but I think at the end of the third quarter he hit almost close to like a half court shot. The Magic were in the game at that point, and then the Warriors just took over in the fourth quarter, and and the Magic ended up losing. So, my wife knows that I would pay obscene money to see Steph play. Yeah, I mean he he's honestly incredible. Um, we got to walk pretty close to the tunnel at the half, so he walked probably 15, 20 feet from where I was. So that was pretty cool to see that. I've been fortunate enough to now see um, Steph, and I, I've seen LeBron play live twice. So um, outside of the Magic, LeBron is one of my all-time favorite players. So uh, being able to see him in person was was really awesome. You you gain like a new appreciation for those guys when you when you see them in person. It, it's really awesome. Cool, sweet. Cool. Right. Time for a quick plug um, for our affiliates. So support Orlando Magic UK by using our affiliate links, which can be found in the description of this podcast. NBA League Pass, NBA EU Store and Fanatics. Um, And you might have noticed that on the NBA EU Store this week, uh, we've had the pre-order option for the Magic City jerseys, um, which I believe may ship uh, ready for the 22nd of March. Um, yes, choose yes. between Nick Vucevic, Markel Fultz, Aaron Gordon, Terence Ross, or Evan Fournier. We have put a request. They put Cole Anthony one in there, uh, but we're just still waiting to hear back from them. Right, um, moving on. So the next item I've got on the list here is Jordan Bone and Frank Mason the third being signed in his place. What are your thoughts on this um, change at the backup point guard Jonathan uh, I, I I think that um, the goal was to bring in more of a traditional point guard in Frank Mason where I think Jordan Bone is viewed more as like the, the combo guard that we're, we're seeing that label a lot so um, I like Jordan Bone um, obviously the plan was not for him to play much this season the goal was to have Markell and then bring Cole Anthony in off of the bench um, but I, I thought he played fine in, in the, the minutes that he did get this season. But um, I, I'm, I'm not all that mad that they released him. I was a big fan of Frank Mason when he played for Kansas a few years ago. So um, I think the first game he, he was really getting – trying to get comfortable with the roster and everything like that. He didn't play all that well. Looked a lot better last night against the Bulls. Um, so I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to bring up to, you know, to the backup point guard role. But I am hoping that we're able to get Michael Carter-Williams back soon. But – with the foot injury, who, who, who really knows? Yeah. Guys? Go on, Mikey. Yeah. Um, it was really a toss-up between Bone and Kareem Mane, and I think Mane got, got the nod just because he's that little bit younger. He's got more upside than, than Jordan Bone. Um, I thought he played well in the 14 games that he's featured. Um, I think it was the Toronto game was his last game that he featured. I thought he had a really good game and, uh, and did some nice things on the floor. Um, but like Jonathan said, we, we needed a bit more of a traditional point guard. And Frank Mason's that hard-nosed pitbull pitbull dog who's going to get in there. And last night, I think we saw him getting in. He's not he's not afraid to defend. He's not afraid to throw himself about. And, and uh, yeah, he's just got to figure out 
Steve Clifford system now and, and finding out like players spots on the floor and what, where he needs to be and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, he's, he's a good sign in. Um, we didn't really have any other options as we haven't got any available roster spots. So really flipping that two way contract for somebody else that could give us a bit more help um, was really the only thing we could do. Likewise, I, I agree with what the guys have said. Um, he's, I, I'm not necessarily going to say Mason's going to be the player that will turn the franchise around, but he's a, definitely a solid presence. Uh, good defensive effort. I'm very, very happy to drive at the basket. Um, and you were already noticing, as, as has been said, him picking up a better relationship straight away with the players last night. Um, started playing quite nicely with uh, Birch and when Mo was on. Uh, they were starting to link quite nicely. So, yeah, more than happy. feel sorry for Jordan, um, but it makes sense. He was unlucky, but it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. What I liked about Mason yesterday um, and the game previous, he put pressure on, you know, full-court pressure. Yeah. Um, he can be that annoying point guard like TJ McConnell, you know? He's of the same sort of build. He can shoot the three. Um he, not afraid to use his body. He hit the floor yesterday. We all thought he was injured and he just popped up, uh, back up on the next play. Um, and I think he has got some sort of um, three-point shooting record somewhere. Um, and he was the G League MVP last year. So, you know, he comes of good stature. So um, if he can turn into something, then great. And there's no season like the present to, uh, you know, try and unearth those um, diamonds in the rough, shall we say. So a rumour that um, was floating around this week was a possible trade with the Boston Celtics. Now, this was before Nick Vucevic had his career night. Um, the trade would pit uh, Boston sending Kemba Walker, Romeo Langford, Daniel Tice, Grant Williams, a future first-round pick and a future second-round pick to the Magic for Nick Vucevic and Aaron Gordon. Um, we talked on our WhatsApp group about this in depth, but... Um, like to think your um, what do you think, Jonathan? So, I think it's really interesting because you know the the Celtics have such of a big trade exception. You know, losing Gordon Hayward, so they're able to take back so much more money than they're they're dishing out. Um, in my opinion, heading into this season, obviously before the injury started to pile up, um, I thought that it was a sh like a sure thing that we were going to end up trading Evan Fournier and probably Aaron Gordon at some point. And just that being a kind of a changing of the guard, you know, those two, you know, those guys being some of the last remnants of the Rob Hennigan era. Uh, but now, you know, Evan Fournier has played so well alongside Markel Fultz at the beginning of the year. A lot of the criticism of Evan Fournier is that sometimes he just tries to do a bit too much. And at the beginning of the season, we kind of saw the field goal attempts start to drop and he was playing more within himself. So I think that might have bought Evan some more time with this team. Uh, but Nikola Vucevic, how many times do we have to see our best player leave before we learn our lesson? So when we look at Shaq, we look at Tracy McGrady, we see Dwight Howard. Each of those three times, and I'm not saying that Nikola Vucevic is Shaq, uh, Dwight Howard or Tracy McGrady. I, I think we all would agree that he's not quite at that level as good as he is. But I, I just wouldn't look forward to moving our best player again because we're we're instantly going to get worse. I like Kemba Walker. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's the same player that he was two, three years ago with the Charlotte Hornets being an all-star. 
when he was averaging something like 26 points and, and six assists a game with Steve Clifford. Um, just the, the health issues that he's gone through over the last couple of years. I don't know that he's ever going to reach quite that level again. Now, I had the same question with Gordon Hayward the last couple of years, and he's just been playing really, really well with the Charlotte Hornets to start the year. So I could be wrong when it comes to Kemba, but I just don't think that's the move for the Magic. Um, I think especially you don't know what you have with Mo Bamba yet. Now, if Mo Bamba looked like a future all-star, it would be a different conversation. But if you're moving Nikola Vucevic right now, so you're going to start Kem Birch, and then things would get ugly pretty – or maybe in that trade you'd, you'd start Daniel Tice. But Daniel Tice isn't Nikola Vucevic either. So in my opinion, if you're giving up Nikola Vucevic Aaron, and Aaron Gordon and shipping them to the Celtics, I would personally want either – Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown back. And we all know the Celtics aren't doing that either. So for me, I really wouldn't be a, a, a fan of that trade, but how about you gentlemen? Go Mikey. Uh, one note on that deal. Um, we won't have the available roster spots to make that deal happen without making other moves. That's also, a um, so that's one point. Um, the other thing I had a quick dive on the trade machine. We also wouldn't have to include four players. You could include three players in return. So I've looked at Vooch or Gordon and you could include Kemba with two of Langford, Naismith, Tice or Williams. So you could have a combination of, of two of those other players to go with Walker. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I said this earlier in the season. I wouldn't move Vooch either. Um, look, we're arguably one of the four worst teams as things stand. I know we're tied with Miami, um, basically, or, or with eight games behind um, top spot in the East. Um, but I wouldn't move Vooch. We're not that far off getting good odds for a lottery pick in this year's draft. So I don't really feel like moving a Vooch is worth it because we're not going to be able to be much worse than we are at the moment also I feel like this is we we need to skip this season use this year as development and then next year when you get these healthy bodies back faults Jonathan Isaac Vooch is that focal point of the offense we can jump back to, straight back into the playoff positions next year we can become a playoff team again once we get some healthy bodies back if you can add a high lottery pick into that, great. But that's not really the focus at the moment. It should be developing. Winning games is important. You can't go out and expect Cole Anthony to develop. You can't expect Bamba to develop or or Akiki if you're not even giving them a chance to win a game every night. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't move Vooch. I wouldn't do the deal. But I think two young promising players, some draft picks, if you are going to move a player like that, is some is along the lines of what you might be looking at, but I wouldn't do it either. We all agreed when we were talking about it that it was of trade scenarios that you see on because I mean some of them on Bleacher Report are laughable, but at least this one did return something. Um, I think we all agreed that none of us would do it. And it wasn't feasible anyway, as you've just said, Mikey. But it's at least we were getting something back that was realistic. Um, it's. I don't think it's as you said, G. You would like it to be more Portland direction if we were going to trade. You like their younger um, core that's there. So, we, but the team we all know that the who the trade chips are. Um, it's going to come down to if the team executives are seeing this as a rebuilding year and they are done with the season. Um, there's only Ji and Markel out. 
with any long term. Um, so, you know, AJ is going to be back after All Star pretty much. Um, the issue that we've got is this unit hasn't taken us beyond the first round of the playoffs. Um, and this season with Markel and J.I. out, that's certainly unlikely if we do make the playoffs that we're going to progress further. So do they look at doing something? Evan moves to being a unrestricted free agent at the end of the season, I think. Um, so do we get something back for him or risk him walking away? Um, if we do get something for him, I think we're only looking at a, a later first round pick because he's going to probably end up at more of a contender, at which point their picks aren't going to be top end. Um, so we have to be realistic on what we think we can actually get back. The teams that you see in Vooch linked with constantly are the Celtics, Hornets and San Antonio Spurs. Most of those trades that you see in are completely unrealistic because the, there was one I saw about um, the Celtics where I couldn't figure out who the hell we were getting back for Vooch because it actually mentioned pairing him up with Kemba, Jason Tatum, Smart and Brown. It also mentioned that coming off the bench, they'd have Teague, Ogilvy, Thompson and Tice. So I really couldn't figure who the hell we were getting back in that one. Um, you know, you were looking at possibly a couple of a couple of picks. Marcus in... Smart, maybe? Did you say Smart? No, he was mentioned as a starter. Oh, he was up mentioned. With... It would yeah, be, it'd be like Aaron Naismith, who was drafted 14th and yeah. Romeo Blanco. Trade exception. Trade yeah. exception and probably some picks thrown in there. Yeah. So it was... You looked at it and thought, you're getting nothing back for what Vooch is. I, I, I just thought that a lot of what you're seeing is unrealistic. Um, I think, honestly, it depends where we are after All-Star, uh, late March, when the deadline comes up as to whether we will actually do anything. Um, yeah. If we are still bottom end and in a, long lo in, a lo in a losing streak and not looking like making playoffs or in contention, then I think we could see some moves made. But yeah. at this point, it's all going to come down to where the executives see us at, at that point. Yeah, it's too early to make a yeah. decision on whether to throw the season. We've got, I believe, 12, 14 games before the trade deadline. So there's yeah. loads of basketball still left to play yet. Um, and you've and got a play-in as well this exactly. year. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you all, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, and I wouldn't deal with Danny Ainge because he just manages to get the best of you every time. So he's obviously seen something, if that's the, the rumoured trade. Anyway, so the week ahead, we've got three games before our next podcast, which we will record next Saturday. Uh, Portland on Tuesday, Golden State Thursday, and the Sacramento Kings on Friday. So quick preview, Mikey with the Blazers. Yep, so we've got the Blazers. It's a 3 a.m. tip-off on Tuesday slash Wednesday morning for us in the UK. Uh, they're 12 and 10, the seventh in the Western Conference. Uh, they're 5 and 5 at the Moda Centre. Uh, they're coming off a 110 to 99 loss against the New York Knicks. Um, as G says, nobody should use, lose to the New York Knicks. Um, we had... Uh, Damian Lillard had 29 points, nine assists, four rebounds, four, four assists in that one. Um, they're, they're like us. They're, they've got some big injuries. CJ McCollum's out with a, with a hairline fracture in his foot, so he won't be available this week. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is also out after having surgery on a fractured right wrist. Um, Zach Collins is out for the season, who had season-ending 
uh, surgery to his ankle. Um, the only player that's listed day to day is Nazir Little, uh, who's had a left knee sprain. Um, so they're missing some key players there. Um, Damian Lillard's fifth in scoring in the NBA with 29 points. Uh, he's ninth in assists of 7.3, and he's playing the seventh highest minutes of any player in the NBA. Um, the Blazers are seventh in points per game, uh, seventh in three-point percentage. Uh, they're the second team, uh, second fewest in turnovers. So that's one thing that we were good at, and and really since Fultz has gone down, we've struggled turning the uh, we've struggled with our own turnovers. The Blazers are stingy, so you you got to make your possessions count against them. Um, but they are one of the worst defensive rating teams in the league at one fifteen. Only the Wizards and the Kings have got a worse defensive rating uh, than the Blazers. So offensively, Vooch might have a field day. Um, we got another bad losing streak. We've lost seven straight to the Portland Trail Blazers. The last win was 13th of January 2017. Um, and that game we had Alfred Payton, who had 19 points. Serge Ibaka uh, with 13. DJ had 15 off the bench. Uh, Vooch had a 30-point game in that one. So... We said it against the Clippers the other week. It's time for the losing streak to end. Um, but it all starts and stops with Dame Dollar. So, Cool. Right, so Golden State then on Thursday morning. Or Thursday night, sorry. Friday morning. Paul? Yeah, so so after us facing Dame Lillard, one of my favourite players in the league, we get to face Steph Curry, my favourite player in the league. Um Golden State are 12 and 11 on the season, eighth in the West. They've won eight of 13 on the home court. Uh, they've won five of the last 10. They've had losses at home to the Knicks and to Boston. Uh, and in those 10 games, the losses have come to the Jazz, Phoenix and Dallas on the road. So there's, the teams that they tend to be losing to are top end, uh, are doing pretty well overall. Um, but where would they be without their injury issues? Uh, Clay Thompson is out, obviously, for a long period of time. Marquise Chris is also out. At this moment in time, they have no centres available. Um, they have number one pick James Wiseman and Kevon Looney both out. They aren't being evaluated until they come back off the road on Wednesday. Uh, they get back home Wednesday morning, Wednesday after mid-Wednesday. Um, and obviously we play them the following day, Thursday. UK 3am tip again on Friday. Their third option, Eric Paschal, is currently day-to-day. -day, and at the moment they are playing Draymond Green at centre. So they are playing, they are a small team at this moment in time. But in all honesty, it's all about the three-point barrage from Steph Curry. Uh, last night, they lost 132 to 134 to the Dallas Mavericks. Curry hit 57 points, uh, going 11 of 19 from the three. He was superb. I don't know if you've watched it. Absolutely brilliant, some of the shots he made. He's averaging 29.4 on the season, um, points per game. He's scored double figures every game this season. Uh, eight games, he's had 30 points or more. His season high is 62 against Portland in January. Uh, so far this season, he's averaging, um, sorry, yeah, he's 29.4 points per game this season. Has only been bettered once by him, where he scored 
30.1 points per game uh, in the 2015-16 season. So he's, play, he's, he's really put the team on his shoulders and carrying them. Kelly Oubre uh, and Wiggins both playing quite well, getting some good points per game, uh, both in high double figures. They're getting good contributions from the bench from Wanamaker and Bazemore. 17th best defensive record, which is quite surprising. I thought it would be higher. However, they are the second highest for pace and ninth in points per game. So we, if they get some turnovers, we could be scrambling back. You know, you, you know that they're going to shoot fast because of the release point that Steph Curry has got. Uh, shoot 46% from the field and 37.3 from the three. Um, ninth best defensive rating. Concede 114 points per game. Quite decent on blocks, 5.4, 7.8 on steals, but they commit a lot of turnovers, 14.3, and they are the worst in the league for fouling. So we will have an opportunity to score. They commit the most fouls in the league. So we've, we've got to play, we've got to play at pace as well. We've got to play a good defensive game. Um, but if we can get something going at the foul line, we have an opportunity to stay in a game and, and possibly take one. Cool, thank you for that. Um, last game then of the week is uh, the Sacramento Kings, uh, who sits at 11-11, good for 10th in the West. Uh, as we know, we saw them the week before last when we lost 121 to 107 at the Amway Centre, where Buddy Heald torched us for 29 points. Um, in their last six, they are 5-1, and one, including beating us, beating Toronto, beating the Pelicans, the Celtics and the Nuggets. Their only um, mark on that is a loss to the Miami Heat by one point. So they're playing very well still. Um, as we know, uh, the, the lineup um, they'll probably go with Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley the third, Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox. And the bench consists of uh, Glenn Robertson the third, Hassan Whiteside, Corey Joseph, Jabari Parker, and Tyrese Halliburton. The only injury note they have is Daquan Jeffries, who just listed us out. We didn't didn't actually say what what it was. Um, as Mikey mentioned, still the worst defensive team in basketball. Um, so the keys of the game: keeping Fox out of the paint, slow him down, defend the three ball better, and beat the King on the boards. So that's what we um, struggled with in our last game. So predictions, Jonathan. Those three games, yeah, three games. How do you see them going, mate? I think it is really going to de depend on uh, what defensive team shows up. If it's the the team that we saw last night, we're going zero and three. Um, if it's the the team that we saw, uh, what was that Friday night against the Bulls, then we're going to have a shot, I think, um, to win each of these games. You mentioned that the Blazers are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Um, the Warriors, you know, they've, they've got Steph, they've got Draymond, but they've got a lot of injuries that they're dealing with as well. And then the Kings, again, one of the worst defensive teams in the league. So um, my confidence with this team is definitely wavering right now just because we really don't know what team we're getting night in and night out. They might come out and play really, really well. Um, but what it comes down to is it's going to be Cole Anthony, Nikola Vucevic, and Evan Fournier. If those three guys are playing well, we're going to have a good chance. If, you know, two or three or just one of those guys isn't playing, we're most likely going to lose. So I would love to say one and two, um, but uh, it could very easily be an 0-3 week. 
Yeah. Mikey? Yeah, I'm, I'm going 0-3. Um, I don't think we mentioned it. Um, apparently, Al Farouk is going to be available next week on, on the road trip. So, if Bamba returns, if if Clifford decides that he's going to have a change of heart and Bamba's going to play some minutes, um, Al Farouk might get into the lineup as well. That might change up a few things. We might get some more minute, uh, more points out of them than we're getting out of Carrie Clark at the moment. Um yeah, it's it's difficult to be positive and say we're gonna have a winning week. It's not gonna happen, I don't think. Um, so I'm just gonna go with 0 and three. So Paul. Sense would say 0 and three. Um the difference for me is that if the Warriors are without any centres, then Vooch could have a really big night. Ken Birch can be uh, a dominant presence on the on the boards, and who knows? That could be a game where we see Mo Bamba get some minutes because there's going who's going to be there to play him. So that's all. Obviously, it all comes down to Steph against us on that night. It's us playing Steph. Um, but if they don't have any centres in that game, I think we have a chance. So. Go on, I'll be different. One and two. Cool. I'm also going one and two. Um, some opportunities there. Um, so you just got to hope that, you know, one of those um, games, a bit more fortuitous, like the Golden State game, Sacramento, um, whilst we're undermanned, you know, we could beat them. Um, and you've said about Portland, you know, they've got a couple of injuries. So three opportunities. You know, let's just hope they get one. So I'll also go one and two. Um, right, magic trivia time. So let's see how good Jonathan is on this. Right. So this week's question. In homage to Nick Vucevic's career night against the Bulls on Friday night, scoring 43 points to go along with his 19 rebounds. My question is, can you name in the history of the Orlando Magic which players have scored 43 points or higher for the team? So it's been done on 35 occasions, but of course, you know, multiple times by a couple of people. So we'll start, we'll start with our guest, Jonathan. So do you want to go first, mate? So I thought you were going to name, of... name all 35 of them. That was <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Well, the easiest so I'll tell is you... going to be Tracy McGrady. I know he's he's up there. I know he's one of them. T-Mac is one. So there's nine in total. Shaq. Dwight Howard, Shaquille, yeah. So hang on. Shaq and Dwight, yeah, both correct answers. Penny. Penny is not. Really? No. Penny's career high was 42 points. So he just misses out. Nick Anderson, maybe? Nick Anderson, of course. The goat. My goat. I like it. Vooch. Vooch, yeah. So you've got four more. Aaron? AG's was 42. All, no, 41. I made a note here. Ooh, that was against, right, against the Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Nets. That's it. Yes. I think he's got 40 the night before that as well. So you've got four more to choose from. I can tell you the years if you want. I'm going to guess Steve Francis. Yeah, I was just going for him. Steve Francis is incorrect. 
Um, really? He didn't even break 40, I don't believe. Okay. Well, he, he didn't break 41. Um, so you've got one in 2016, one in 2013, one in 2010, and one in 1990. Twice, have a night. Vince Carter, Jonathan, is right in there. Correct. With 48 points in 2010. Did Tobias have a night? Not Tobias Harris, no. Nope. Yeah. 1990. Reggie Theus? Nope, not Reggie Theus, nope. Oh, That's a difficult one, the 1990 one. What's the other yeah. two years, G? Oladipo? Oladipo is one for 2016. He scored 45 points. Um... So the, the one remaining um, from the time you guys have been supporting, in 2013, this person scored 43 points. And then the guy from 1990 scored 49 points. Not, not Aaron Aflalo. It was Aaron Aflalo. Oh great answer. Aaron, Aaron wow. What yeah, an answer. Aaron was great that year. He, he, was, he was our best player that year. Um, 1990. Is it too? Is that too early to say Dennis Scott? It would be too yeah. early, yeah. Uh, he was 92, 93, I think. This is before our times. Have you got us a clue? Give us a clue, G. I can give you his initials. T C. Terry Catledge. There you go. You got it. Terry Catledge right. scored oh, forty-nine points. Him. I've never you know what? I struggled on that one. That's that was never we, got, we, got the game through it. we got through it. Yeah, I think I've got a few uh, basketball cards of Terry Catledge, but I've never seen him play. So um, no, other notable ones you've just mentioned there. Ag scored forty-two. Uh, Dennis Scott scored forty-one, and Scott Skiles scored forty-one, along with Penny Harder with forty-two. So there we go. Thank you very much. We'll be recording our next uh, podcast, as we mentioned, on Saturday, the 13th of February. Thank you to Jonathan for joining us. I uh, hope you enjoyed that, mate. It was great having you on. Absolutely. No, totally my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And make sure you listen to Jonathan's podcast, The Six Man Show. Um, well worth a, a listen. Um, very informative. And, um, you know, uh, you can post your links on in, in the information. Um, so until next week, go magic. Go magic. Go magic. You've been listening to the Penny for Your Thought podcast from the guys at the Orlando Magic UK. Please subscribe to the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Check out our website, theorlandomagicuk.com, the UK home for fans of the Orlando Magic, and support us by using our links to the official NBA store, and fanatics for your official sports merchandise including the nba the nfl and many more follow us at orlando magic uk on facebook instagram twitter and youtube go magic